I gotta say no to shit that I wanna say yes to more times than you can count. I love fast food. I love to get fucked up. I love to not go to the gym. I love to sit on my ass and watch hours of television. I don't like to read. I don't want to be productive, but I also know that I don't want what's gonna happen if I do those other things. I've been there, like I've been unproductive and I've been unhealthy and I've been unfulfilled and it doesn't feel good. What's going on, friends? I hope you are well. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Dieting from the Inside Out. If you're new around here, welcome to the show. My name is Jared Hamilton, and I promise I don't normally sound like this. Um, if you listen to, to a lot of the episodes or what you're about to hear going into the interview, I, I sound nothing like this. Uh, I'm not quite sure if I'm getting sick or what's going on, but uh, nonetheless, I sound kind of funny in the intro and the exit of this episode. Um, I'm not quite sure what happens, but anyway... Um, I didn't want to put off putting out our episodes every week just because I feel a little bit under the weather. So we're doing this anyway, regardless. So bear with me and I appreciate your patience. Now, my interview today is a really, really cool one. There's a gentleman I've become recently acquainted with, and he is a big deal in the industry. Um, his uh, Well, I'll get to his name here in a second, but um, this this gentleman I'm about to interview, he he'll host these really big events that are for other coaches on how to be more educated, create better transformations, and to overall impact our clients and our communities better and better and better. So he's he's a bit pretty big deal. He's extremely intelligent. He's been around the space for a really long time, and he is a giant wealth of knowledge when it comes to how to get to where you want to be. So I wanted to have him on the show. Um, there's a huge response uh, from the last episode I did with Andrew Coates, and Andrew is actually who. Who, uh, who introduced me to Aram, who we're about to talk to. So my guest today, his, his name is Aram Gregorian. I actually uh, was a little bit worried on mispronouncing his last name. So I just sent him a voice, uh, a, a text, and I said, hey, dude, I want you to just tell me how to pronounce your last name. So this is what we got. Hello, sir. It is pronounced Aram Gregorian. Aram <laughs> <laughs> Aram's great. Aram is such a good dude. He's such a great person. And man, he's so much fun to talk to. I know you're going to get a lot out of this episode. And man, he is um, he's so brilliant. He, he is so smart when it comes to the inner workings of how to change your life. In this episode, we got into a lot. We got into like what it takes to be successful change in your life forever. We got into a lot of real talk. Um, Aram is very similar to me and just tells it like, tells it like it is, shoots from the hip. And it it's just a lot of real talk. And to be honest, a lot of people need to hear it. So, um, there's a lot of that. And I know if you're into that, you're going to enjoy it. Um, we got into, I'm just looking at my notes. We got into a lot about how to be honest with yourself and hold yourself accountable because a lot of people are doing this on their own. And then overall, what it takes to go from where you're at to where you want to be and what it actually takes and a lot of the common pitfalls and how to change your life. That's literally what we're getting into. And I know you're going to get a lot out of this episode. So you'll want to stick around for the whole thing. Now, before we get into all of the goods, big thank you to the sponsors of the show. Sponsor number one is Flex Pro Meals. Um, I was actually gone. <clears throat> excuse me. I was gone this whole weekend. I was at uh, First Form's giant summer smash event. And I literally just took a giant stack of Flex Pro Meals with me because it helped keep me on track. It helped keep me full and satiated and nourished. I just literally took a stack of like eight or nine of these meals because I was gone all weekend. And I just threw them um, in the, in the, uh, in the freezer where I was staying at and it helped everything keep on pace. It kept me from door dashing every other second. And it's things like that, where you are going to have life hit you sideways that are unprecedented, that are chaotic, where you're going to be in not so great situations and having food on deck that tastes amazing. That is in line with your goals and the numbers are in check and everything is great is so helpful. And it's going to save you money on top of it. So if you're into that sort of thing, 
Um, definitely check out Flex Pro Meals. The link is below. Um, but if you if you use my code Hamilton Trained, it'll save you like twenty percent at checkout, which is pretty legit. Next second sponsor of the show is First Form. I was again, I'm normally wearing one of their shirts, um, but I was actually like I said at First Form's HQ this past week. So if you're if you're a big fan of First Form, you know how legendary their HQ is, the gym in their HQ, and what they do. And I had the opportunity to go out there this past weekend and spend a good amount of time there. And boy, was it insane. Um, First Form has their annual Summer Smash event. It's called Summer Smash. It's basically a giant party supporting and celebrating the wins of the, of the, of the community, the customers, all of that. So it was me and 3,000 other Jareds that were at this event. It's probably why I sound like this. Um, they bring in like world-renowned artists like Rick Ross and the James Chainsmokers and all this stuff. It was an amazing event. Um, and I just had a blast. Uh, I was posting about it every day on my story um, and whatnot. So a big thank you to First Form for one, inviting me out on them. That was pretty great. And for uh, for being a sponsor of myself and the show. So um, when it comes to stuff like supplements, we all know it is not the end all be all, but not all supplements are created equal, right? Not all protein powders are the same. Not all vitamins are the same or pre-workout or whatever it is you take. So I know for me, I, the reason I take supplements is because it fills the gaps I'm not getting with food. And that is the only reason you would take supplements. So, but with that being said, I want to make sure you're taking the right stuff. I don't want you just going on Amazon, hoping for the best or buying something that was made in someone's basement. Cause that happens a lot. So, um, if you, if you, if you're into that sort of thing, I want you to just go to, uh, the, the link below it's my first form link. It does support me and I really, really appreciate it. Um, go check that out see what they have going on. And if you're into that, where you're looking to fill some of the gaps you're missing with food or upgrade what you're taking, things like that, definitely go check them out because it's not, it's, it's literally like nothing you've ever seen. I promise you that. Um, and if you're not quite sure where to get started with supplements, I do have a YouTube video below that, you know, kind of my breakdown and rundown when it comes to supplements. So, um, that is it for the sponsor section of the show. <clears throat> I apologize. My voice is running thin. Let's get into the interview with Aram. The beautiful thing is I recorded this before I left. So I don't sound like this in the interview. Uh, I know you'll get a lot out of this and I will talk to you very soon. I always like it recording coming into it because, um, because so much cool shit gets said off camera. So I'm like, oh, let's get recording as fast as possible. Now we'll go back to being boys. So <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that sometimes the sidebar conversations that you have like prior to starting are almost a little bit more interesting than some of the stuff that you, yeah. it's not, I don't like scripted anything. And like, no. I, I, I've been invited to a couple podcasts where like, well, here's the script. I'm like, well, fuck that. I'm canceling. <laughs> yep. I'll have, I'll have, I'll get invited on shows and they're like, all right, do you want the list of questions? I go, no, nope. <laughs> like it, there, there's been so many times I've ended a podcast and then we just bullshitted and I'm like, fuck, I wish I kept that rolling. That I was know. so good. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, listen, like if we've been doing this for long enough as, as well as we have been, like we should be able to stand in front of a room of 5,000 people asking us just spitball questions and we should be able to answer anything because that's how confident we are in our material. If we're not, we're in the wrong line of work. Yep. hundred percent. I agree with you. I agree with you. So let me ask you this. So for people who don't know who you are, um, I know you and I recently connected through a mutual friend. I actually just had, uh, Andrew on yesterday. So we just recorded. That was a, oh, that nice. was a fun episode. Yeah. Um, you came up in conversation. It was pretty cool. Um, and then, so, so, so where, what's your background? Like not bad necessarily background, but like, what's your story with all of your stuff? Cause you've been in the industry for a minute. You're super highly looked upon and everything. So what's your story? Uh, well, I appreciate you saying that I'm highly looked upon because there's still a great deal of imposter syndrome that happens on a daily basis. Um, mm. and I think it's just because I, I don't, I don't have the fancier side of the education. Like a lot of other people have, I think it's because I get so allured by the functional medicine stuff 
that like it, it makes me feel like well I'm just like no I'm not just a macro coach and no I'm not like somebody who's like deep diving into like candida overgrowth yeah like I know a lot about a lot but I'm not practicing all that because in my opinion most people are just kind of not complying and just can mm. be really beneficial just by doing the basics but uh, the short version of me is finance career background spent about six seven years like kind of behind a trading desk doing account reconciliation for a for a commodities trading firm in Connecticut uh, and then yeah bounced around to a couple of different sales careers the anchor was always that I was doing some type of training in person on the side uh, and then formally became a trainer in 2012 after I got laid off from corporate and then uh, bounced around a little while after that just because I was working with some high-level clientele in like New York City and they were always offering me like sales jobs and I was always I was back then I was chasing money. Like I was just always like, how much more money can I get paid? Because I was used to making, you know, six figures in my early twenties. And I thought that was going to be the standard forever. Uh, and then I realized I'm like, I don't really, as I get older and older, I just stopped caring about the money. And I started realizing that I'm just not happy. And I like coaching people and I like helping people and I want to get really good at it. And that's when I invested all my time and my money into like NCI and precision and all these other things to try to get certified. And I was doing a bunch of independent education, just like hitting up guys like Alan Kress or Jeff Black and just paying them for consults just to learn directly from them. And uh, it just led to me moving out of Connecticut, moving to California and then realizing I, I, I couldn't train people in person because I lost, I mean, my, my entire business fell apart, obviously. Um, so I had to just reestablish myself online. And I just thought like, what kind of, content is going to be helpful for your average individual who is struggling because that's who I care about. I don't care about the people that like are being conducted in research studies, that 22 year old college <laughs> kid who's fucking ripped and jacked and lives yeah. a perfect life. Like I care about Mr. and Mrs. Jones who are in their mid forties who have been dealt bullshit for the last 40 years and now they're struggling and they're wondering why they're lost. And it's try like just trying to get them back to a place of like feeling good about themselves. I love that. I'm curious, you said something that perked my ears when you said, um, when you said that early on, you were just so hyper-focused on making money and you were getting that you were making money. Um, but you realized you weren't happy. I feel like that happens so much in the world of like the average person trying to lose weight, but instead of money, it's weight loss. They're like, I just want to lose more. I just want to lose more. I just want to be more shredded. And then they realize and they may get it. And they're like, wow, I'm fucking miserable. Yeah. Do you find there's a correlation between that? Huge, man. Cause it's, it's like the end product that you're worried about. You know, as much as I hate that, like the cliche stuff that we always had kind of have to like regurgitate, like it's not the journey, it's the, it's not the destination, <laughs> but it's like, it's so true because if you can't like, I, just think about your average person that's in your, just your buddy, right? Like where do you, where do you live? Indianapolis. Okay. Perfect example. Fucking middle America. I don't want to be stereotypical, but let's be very honest. Do it, I know, please. I, I know, do I know, <laughs> I know plenty of people from the Midwest. And the word underachiever kind of always comes up in my mind. I can like, see that. Yeah. People have that small town. I don't want to leave. I've never seen the rest of the world mentality. And I'm really comfortable no. here. I think most people kind of personify that exact thing. Like they're just, they're happy with where they're at. They're, they may be in a dog shit relationship that, that they're not really trying to get out of or they're trying to improve. They're in some dead end job that isn't really giving them any fulfillment they live a very average lifestyle, 100% across the board. There's nothing extravagant happening. There's no self-development occurring. There's no willingness to be out of your comfort zone. So that's just how life is. 
And then something happens. They see something, they hear something, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I got to lose weight or I got to I gotta make more money. And then it becomes this like red car syndrome where all they see is red cars now. Yeah. So you you don't get to you don't get to reap the benefits of making more money, having a better relationship or building a better physique if it hasn't been something that's been on your mind since the minute you were thinking. Mm. Like you know, that which just it bothers me. It, it it almost discounts the entire process by which we've all conducted ourselves with, which is just the idea of achievement constantly. It doesn't have to be anything big. Like to me achievement doesn't mean you know, 7% body fat and a fat wallet and a massive house achievement to me is, wow, my mental health got better this week or holy shit. I have better digestion this week or, oh my God, I'm connecting better with my spouse this week or wow, I'm a lot more productive at work and I'm a lot less impatient with my children. Why can't we focus on those tiny little wins? Because the reality is, is if we were so focused on those big achievements, we would have been doing something along the way to already achieve that, but we have that's yeah, I agree completely. So, dude, well, I think so many people stick to the external or extrinsic extrinsic stuff, but everything you just mentioned is an intrinsic process based thing where like losing 30 pounds or benching, whatever, or fitting into whatever clothes, which those things are fine. But a lot of times people will, I, I see people go, well, my adherence today is based on what the scale says tomorrow morning or, or yesterday morning, <laughs> right? Where it's, but everything you said is no eating better. I feel better going on my walk every day. I'm more mentally clear showing up for myself makes me feel more confident. But I think you just have to add intrinsic stuff if you're going to have extrinsic stuff. And, and you can't have an expectation of anything extrinsic unless you're willing to be slightly uncomfortable. I don't even want to say slightly anymore because the level of discomfort that I have to live with on a daily basis is something most people aren't willing to do. Because like, people look at us who are like relatively fit or in good shape or living this lifestyle and they're like, oh, it must be so easy for you. I'm like, I got to say no to shit that I want to say yes to more times than you can count. Mm. Like the, the thing is, is your average American is saying yes to everything they feel like saying yes to. Right? Like, you want to go out to dinner tonight? Sure. Yeah, I'll see, I'll see you at seven. Let's go get drinks tonight. Sure. I'll see you at eight. Like nobody's saying no to anything. Like we're, I'm having to fucking limit myself. On a daily, like I, I live in San Diego, one of the most beautiful places in the oh country. <laughs> like everybody here is in good shape. Everybody here is fucking beautiful and rich and young and they're all going out. Every bar is packed seven nights a week. The weather here is perfect. There's music festivals every weekend. There's drugs galore. There's fucking orgy parties. There's every, like there's a beautiful baseball team in the middle of our downtown. Like you could say yes on a daily basis and it would never stop. So like, and that's the thing is like, you don't get that in Des Moines, Iowa. You don't get that in fucking Spokane, Washington. You get that here. So if, if I can do it here and live this moderated lifestyle that I live and I have to be as sacrificial as I am, because I know that I can't live that way and still get what I want. What is stopping? Like, why do you have to say yes to everything? And why do you expect to look and feel amazing when you're never moderating yourself at all? Let me ask you this. And I'm curious. I actually don't know what you're going to say. So I'm really intrigued about this one because I agree with you because I agree that too often people, we, we say yes to everything or I feel like they either end on one spectrum or the other. It's yes to everything. I just spoke with the lady the other day who she said she spends a thousand dollars a month on Uber Eats or DoorDash thousand dollars a month. Stop. Dead serious. Thousand dollars. <laughs> that month. beats my, that beats my total. Right. But, 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 but like crazy, but anyway, um, but so we talked about like, okay, well that's a little too much. I'm not saying we have to go to zero, but some moder but we have to have some moderation. But I feel like people, man, especially the average person, they're either going all or nothing extremism, 
bodybuilder extremists. They're, I'm not allowed to have, go out to eat. I'm not allowed to have any donuts. Or they'll go the other way and say, I'm an all or nothing person as they eat the whole fucking bag of donuts. <laughs> so my question is, where did, cause I, I believe there's a land where both exist. where like moderation in the average person, but still having sacrifice, but still having indulgence. But I feel like th- people have the hardest time finding that middle ground. What's your thoughts on that? I think I talk about this constantly and I think balance is earned. Mm, that's good. Like everybody's always like wanting like this idea of like, I want to have a balanced lifestyle. Well, it's going to have to be out of balance for some time. Like anybody that's ever achieved anything in their life was out of balance for the period of time in which they were working towards that achievement. It has to be that way. Like courting your wife or your, or your, like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're spending multiple dinner dates and multiple months courting this individual, falling in love with them, getting to know them, you know, saying no to your boys to go and meet this girl for the 17th time, knowing that nothing's going to happen tonight, but you're (laughs) building this relationship. So like, you know what I mean? Like that's uncomfortable. Having to spend, you know, 15 hour days at work to try to get that next promotion. Why would you not think that that has to be the same way on your fitness journey, especially if you want physique change, which is what most people want. Like most people, if you ask them, like, what's the goal of you going to the gym and eating well, I want to look good naked or I want to look good in my, if I want to feel good in my clothes. Nobody gives a shit about how much they fucking squat or how fast they run or what their box jump height <laughs> is. Like Mrs. Jones does not give a fuck if she's using a 90 pound dumbbell on her goblin squat or a 40 pound dumbbell. She just wants her ass to look better. So if you want that stuff, if you want an aesthetic change, you have to moderate, especially your eating behavior. And you have to make your lifestyle conducive to the stuff that you're doing in the gym so that the gym stuff actually takes shape. Otherwise you're just going to the gym and you're going through the motions and nothing is changing because you're not backing it up with the lifestyle stuff. That's good. That's really good. I think this is where um, something I've been saying a lot lately is think harmony over balance because you can li- be you can be unbalanced in life, but be in harmony because your expectations and ambition and actions are in check, right? Like you're going to have to sacrifice certain things or in any analogy, like the courting or a business or whatever. You're in harmony though, because your actions and ambition are in line. But I feel like there's a lot of people who live a balanced life, but they don't have harmony because they aren't getting the results or their actions and ambitions aren't lining. I feel like the harmony is what we really need, not the balance. Yeah, I like that. I think the idea of harmony is awesome. And, and, and I don't think balance is unrealistic, but if you want balance, you also have to mitigate expectations. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with wanting a balanced lifestyle. Like I, There's a part of me that wants to go out to eat four or five nights a week. I mean, the restaurants here are delicious. There's plenty of fresh food. Like I don't have to eat like an asshole every time I go out. There's plenty of options I can eat. But I don't like being out of control and having to have somebody else do the thing for me because I know that they're not going to do it the way that I want to do it. So if I put together a beef and rice bowl at night, I know that I'm controlling my ingredients, my portion sizes, my quality of food. I don't think the place down the street's going to be able to do the same job I can <laughs> because they're not considering my health and my well-being. Right. Is it easier to go to them? Possibly. It's definitely not cheaper. You know, and, and I'm somebody who like I love shit food i really do like people don't actually understand like how much i love like dude i like five guys like i have dreams about like pizza because i'm from the east coast man like i grew up in the pizza capital of the country i grew up right in new haven connecticut which is three out of the top 10 places in the country for pizza and i was down the street from all of them like i literally salivate to this day california pizza by the way sucks ass (laughs) <laughs> like they, 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 they do one thing well here and it's Mexican food and I can give a shit less about Mexican food. 
That's fine. Um, but like, I love fast food. I love to get fucked up. I love to not go to the gym. I love to sit on my ass and watch hours of television. I don't like to read. I don't want to be productive. But I also know that I don't. I don't want what's going to happen if I do those other things. I've been there. Like I've I've been unproductive and I've been unhealthy and I've been unfulfilled and it doesn't feel good. Like it, it requires a lot of. You know, it's almost like how many people are in bad relationships or in abusive relationships and just keep making the same like justification for staying in it. Yeah. Like if you had that level of patience with dieting or exercise, you'd be in the most phenomenal <laughs> right. shape. Ever. Like you'd be yeah. like, you're, you're like some woman who's taking the same idiot back multiple times after he cheats on her. He's like, Oh, I'll give him another chance. But you quit the first level of resistance of any type of nutritional plan that you're given. Like, Oh, I had one bad weekend. So fuck it. What's the point? Or I'm not getting results fast enough. Like exhibit that same level of patience that you give to that scumbag dude that you keep accepting back into your life with your nutrition and your training. It may not bear fruit visually immediately because it probably won't, but at some point in the next X amount of months that you've been doing it for, I bet there's going to be some positive change that's occurring anyway. Yeah. No doubt, man. I, I love that. It's, it's funny when you were talking about all that stuff that I just started going to a new gym and in the sh- same like strip mall, there is a big fat five guys oh, God, in the strip, in the strip. My gym is in, um, <laughs> so but you, you know, bro, you, you know how easy it is to come out. Like I've only in, and it's okay. Cause this is why I think massive self-awareness is so important. Like you just mentioned, I'm naturally, I'm naturally this, I'm naturally that I naturally like this, but I'm also aware enough to know left to my own devices, all this bad shit's going to happen. So I know when I go to the gym, I know exactly what I'm going to smell as soon as I walk out those doors. We all know the, the smell of beautiful five guys. Uh. Um, but I also know, and there's times like, uh, one, uh, actually in the last like three weeks, I've, I've only gotten it once. And That's I'm like, good. I've got, I've got the calories. I've got the macros. Like let's, let's make it happen. And I ate, wait well the rest of the day. Um, but I also know myself, like it's going to be really easy to smash five guys every day. But I also know I have my own personal boundaries set up. Like, all right, here's my rule. I'm not allowed to have five guys more than once a week or whatever it may be, you know? Um, but I think ha- having that level of self-awareness is pivotal with half of this. I just don't think a lot of people are thinking about their decisions on a daily basis. And I was just having this conversation with somebody. I, I got to make a post about it. One of the most detrimental phrases that I hear that really cuts me deep is when people tell me, I don't want to have to think about it. Mm. Like how many times do we get that, right? Like, I don't want to have to think about exercise. I don't want to have to think about food. Well, where else are you exhibiting that level of like carefreeness? Like you think about your children all day long. You think about your spouse. You think about your job all the time, probably to a fault. So why would you not think about nutrition and fitness? Because the rest of the world is not set up for us to make like good, healthy decisions. Like, just like you said, like you have a five guys in the same strip as a gym. (laughs) So like very easy, seamless decision to make. Hey, I just crushed my leg workout. I need to replenish Bro, those. No idea. <laughs> just, let me go get those glycogen stores filled right back up again. Yeah. And and by the way, I use chronometer for food logging and five guys is in chronometer. That double cheeseburger that I get from there is over a thousand calories. Easily. Yeah. And it's I think it's something around sixty to seventy grams of fat. Mm-hmm. Just like, like let's like actually like because people still are not convinced the calories are real. And I promise you they are. <laughs> like anybody who's still, anybody who's like following like the Hubermans of the world or all or like the V shreds or the fucking Mark Hyman's who are telling you that like, no, we could biohack you out of this. Like, no, we can't. 
Like you're fat because you eat too much. That's it. It's you're not you're not fat because of PCOS. You're not fat because of endometriosis. You're not fat because you're 70. You're not fat because you're depressed. You're fat because all of those things led you to not caring about what you put in your mouth. And then when you put too much in your mouth, it accumulates. It's as simple as that. I don't care what people say. Fat weight loss resistance comes at such a specific circumstance. And then by the time you're that far gone, you, you, that's when I send you off to people that know better than I do. Because at that point, then it may be a gut health issue. It may be a hormone issue. Multiple dieting attempts haven't worked fine. But you better be rock solid foundational habits before you start having those conversations. So if you can't moderate daily living with all of these beautiful things that we have around us on a daily basis, you're not going to set yourself up for success because the world is not going to want you to be successful. Our system is set up for you to be sick, stupid, and unhealthy. It is. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to say 100%. it out loud, but like, look at what happened <laughs> during, co- like, during COVID. Yeah. Like, we don't want the alcoholics to flood the hospitals to constrain the system. So let's make sure we keep liquor stores open. But let's close gyms because those are breeding grounds for disease. So let's not give people an outlet to exercise or move their body at all. Oh, by the way, here's an opportunity for you to get all the steps in the world in because now you're not working in an office. You can work from home. Oh, but now you have to sit on fucking Zoom all day and jerk yourself off the meetings that don't matter. Like none of this ever made any sense to me. Like I, you should have like COVID should have been the opportunity for you to be the healthiest of your life. You're now home to be able to prep your own food. You're not going anywhere. Restaurants are fucking closed. Like you should have been taking 45,000 steps a day and eating immaculately well. But what did people do? I put on 30 pounds during COVID. I'm like, how the fuck did you put on 30? It better have been muscle. They're like, no, I put on 30 pounds of fat during COVID. Like, what'd you do? I'm like, well, I drank and ate like shit all day. I'm like, okay, that was a personal choice. Yeah. nobody forced you into doing that. Like we were all just as depressed during COVID. Like obviously if you have, if you're prone to mental health issues, that probably exacerbated it. But I went through one of the roughest breakups of my life during COVID. It tore us apart. I got into the most fucked up situation ever because of it. Like I could have used all that as an excuse too, but I, the, the thing that grounded me and made me feel good was my routine it was meal prepping, eating food that made me feel good. Luckily, I had access to an underground gym that I had a key to, so I was able to use that, luckily. But if I didn't, I would have figured out other ways to work out because I wanted to move my body and honor my commitments. So, like, I just I think we live in a world right now where we are not set up for success and we never will be. So if we don't actually take the initiative to do it, we're always going to be victimized by what the circumstances around us are. That's so good, dude. I agree with that a thousand percent. I was just talking about this the other day that at all times we have opportunity and excuses in front of us and they're both legitimate as fuck. But it like, like every excuse is legitimate kids, life, work, time. But like, it all comes down to what you prioritize because actions don't lie. Numbers don't lie where you spend your money, the time in the day. It, it doesn't lie. You can say everything you want, but, but like COVID's a great example. I, cause I saw the same exact thing. People's, um, we'll say business in, in their, their physiques and their, their bodies either. I had friends whose business has melted and just went to shit in COVID. I had record, a record, record breaking year after year. Not, not, not trying to sound like a cocksucker, but, but it's because I went, uh, everyone else is declining. I'm going to go as hard as I can. Everything shut down. I'm not as distracted. I'm going hard and my business grew Say it, in the same way. Like you were talking about with your health people. I feel like it just showed, it shows people an op- it gives people an opportunity to exemplify who they really are. It's right. like when people say money, money makes people bad. No, it's just a megaphone. If you're a shitty person, poor, you're probably going to be a shitty person, rich. If you have 
from a time perspective, if you're have terrible habits and aren't that great of a quality of person and you have this megaphone of time, are you either going to be great with it or terrible with it? I just feel like it's the, it just shows you more of who, where your character's at. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would say the same thing about me, like my business flourished because I was the one person that was willing to work seven days a week during COVID. I'm like, sure. I have access to this facility. I know your gyms are closed. I'll work out a deal with you. We'll keep the front lights off. We'll fucking pay off cops. We'll do whatever we got to do. I, I, <laughs> I, I want to live in a world where people are actively pursuing solutions as opposed to just living behind their problems. Yeah. And this is where like, you know, I talk, most of my clientele is women. My audience on Instagram is almost exclusively women. But what are women constantly being told? Be weak. You have all these disorders. Oh, by the way, menopause is going to basically make you useless. And you're a binge eater. You're an eating disorder victim. So you can just live behind these labels. As opposed to why not understand that those are part of your life and you can navigate around them and empower yourself to make better decisions. Like it's, 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 it's a cloak that you don't need to wear. And I think that we live in, a, in an overly diagnostic world where like as soon as you get labeled that diagnosis, then that's the thing that you have to wear until the day you die. Like as opposed to like you can be a disordered eater who also looks and feels amazing because you're constantly fighting your disorder. It's, it's not easy to show up for yourself every single day. You're going to have days where it's going to suck. You're going to have days where you want to melt down and cry. And you want, and that's where the resources and the coping mechanisms come into play. But I, I don't think that we're void of opportunity. I think we're just void of action. Like just people just have such a tough time putting stuff together. And it doesn't have to be anything extreme. Like people think that they have to like cut out every single bad, whatever. I mean, I don't even know what bad foods are anymore. It's just, it's either food or it's not food. It's either edible or it's not edible. <laughs> to me, like, there's, like I think we all know if we if we if if we consume any type of content, like obviously if they're listening to your podcast, they've been consuming content. They probably know that a grilled chicken salad with, you know, a side of, of fruit is probably better for them than going to Five Guys. Nobody's void of that information anymore. This is all like public knowledge. But if you're not living in like in that like lower end of the spectrum where like you're going from couch to fitness, if you're kind of in that inter intermediate tier. You might have to be uncomfortable and sacrificial for some time. You might have to quantify some of the food you're eating. You might have to start intensifying your training and being more specific with it. And you might have to start putting yourself to bed at an earlier hour to get the benefits of all this stuff for a period of time. And then once that period of time has kind of elapsed and you feel relatively good about it, we don't know how long it's going to take, but then you can start to kind of add in and layer back in some of that balance that you were talking about because maybe you're, you're doing it now from a much mental healthier place as opposed to beating yourself up and being restricting all the time, which is then going to lead to binging, which is going to lead to erratic decision-making. And that's where we don't want you to be. Mm, I like that. It, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite all time favorite books by Stephen Pressfield called the war of art, not the art of war, the, the war of art. Um, he talks about like resistance is required. Like you cannot do anything great without there being resistance, whether it be that little voice or the desire to, whatever you want to call it, the bitch voice, the, your evil clone, whatever you want to call it, but you cannot accomplish anything great without resistance. And I think people's expectation, the fact that they think, Oh, I got this new program. It's going to be easy. I hired the coach. It's going to be easy. It's like, bro, you just have the roadmap. Your old bullshit is still going to haunt you and you're gonna have to fight through it. You know what I mean? There's no way to avoid it. I wish like, I just hired a coach. I hired a coach, uh, eight, nine weeks ago. Are you, do you know Jace Lopez? Uh, I've heard that name. So he, he presented at my event in March and he's a coach out of Louisiana. He's kind of hybrid, like bodybuilding lifestyle. So he does both. 
I never realized how overcomplicated I made things and how inadherent I was to my own plan. Like I like obviously as coaches, we know all this stuff. Like we can write the most beautiful training program, we can write the best amazing macro plan and diet, but we even we still have to follow it. Yeah. And I think because we know so much, we find loopholes to become non-compliant. We're like, well, let me fit this five guys into my day. <laughs> right? Let me eat zero fat all day long just to get these fries and this burger down. When in reality, like we know that 30 minutes after eating that shit, we're going to be fucking hungry again. And we're probably going to want to eat something else. And like, I was, I was, I gave, I, I allowed myself to eat something stupid. Like, Oh, well, you know, I can, I can eat 3,500 calories. So let me get a hundred grams of fat a day. Like the amount, that's just an astronomical amount of fat for anybody. And I realized that because of that, I looked and felt like shit. And now I'm eating like 60 grams of fat a day and Oh my God, wow, I feel better. Yeah. What Just a shock. call yourself keto and, and then validate it. It's fine. <laughs> but that's what I was doing. <laughs> I was hiding behind my own knowledge base and then I was overcomplicating something as simple. Because nutrition and training is not complicated. It really I mean, I don't care how you slice it. it. Like the human body is the same as it's been for thousands of years. It hasn't evolved at all. Like we've been walking, we're, we're bipods, whatever the hell we call it. Right. <laughs> our our digestive system is the same. The problem is, is our environment has changed. So we're not as active. We're more, we're more stressed out. We're poorly fed because this, the food system has suffered and we're more susceptible to making erratic decisions with that bad environment because of those high levels of stress and because of that poor food environment. So why like, we don't need to hack biology. We just have to get back to the basics and do them for long enough until we can then earn the right to intensify certain protocols to create specific outcomes. Because everybody, like, again, comes back to what, what is the goal? My goal is I want to look and feel better naked. Okay. So that means that you need to lose body fat and probably either build or retain and expose muscle mass. What does that mean? That means a bodybuilding split routine three to five times a week. It means eating mostly real food that you can identify as what it is that came out of the ground off a tree or from an animal. And just rinse and repeat that daily until you start to convince yourself that you're feeling so good that it doesn't matter to, to go back to that old lifestyle or that you're actually starting to see what you want to see in the mirror. And that psychs you up to never want to stop. That's so, I, I don't understand why people have to make it so, actually I do understand why they have to make it so complicated so they can validate their, their dumb decisions when they go, Oh, I want to make this so unsustainable. I can't do it. So then I can go, Oh, it's not my fault. I just, I did it right. And it didn't work or I, it, it didn't work with my life. And then validate it with all or nothing mentalities and bullshit. That's why I'm fully convinced, but that's a whole nother tangent. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think, and, and how many times do people come to us wanting to hear something just to validate themselves and their actions? Like I've had, I've had multiple people reach out to me and, and DM me and be like, do you think this plan is right? I'm like, I don't know. What does your coach think? Mm. Like you're already paying a professional. Why are you asking me? Right. <laughs> Well, I just want to make sure that what I'm doing is right. I'm like, figure it out. Maybe it's not right right now, but it'll be right at some point. Like why it's never going to like the, the, the path to, to getting what you want is never going to be the same for each individual. Like there's going to have to be some trial and error. You're going to have to fuck it up. Sometimes you have to see how bad or how good it's going to be. But this idea that it's going to have to be like, if I don't follow these sets and reps and the workouts ineffective, like I had this happen yesterday. I had a woman that I coach. She's actually a coach. And she sits all day 
because she decides that she wanted to do fucking Zoom check-ins, which I told her, I'm like, why the fuck would you ever do Zoom check-ins all day long? Like now you're just seated all day and that sucks. Like do phone check-ins and pace around your house like a normal person. Right. <laughs> and she finally like caved in and got one of those like under desk treadmills to walk on. So what did I get yesterday? I got a text message saying, well, my watch doesn't count the steps because I'm using my hands on the keyboard while I'm walking. So it defeats the whole purpose. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about the credit your watch is giving you about your steps. Right, I care the that, validation. Like, I care <laughs> that you're standing up and not seated and walking all day long as opposed to sitting. Like what, how are you coaching people? Yeah. Like, what are you telling them? That they, <laughs> I just don't right. understand. Right. They're like, oh, I carry a clipboard at work all day and that's the side my Apple watch is on. So this arm doesn't move, but there's no, there's no pacing with this arm. So I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> you're still getting the steps. Like you're physiologically. Yeah. And that's what people I think don't understand. It's like, you don't need to be validated by devices or by coaches or by the internet or anything else. If what you're doing is create, creating a positive outcome and you're feeling good. Great. Continue down that path and then just learn how to be able to intensify it or back away from it, depending on the circumstances of your life. But I think the idea is now that we have all these different things that are creating a layer of thinking that we never had to do before. Like, oh, and that, and that's where it becomes overthinking because what do we have now that we've never had before is we have information coming to us out of a fire hose on a daily basis. Like everybody has something to say and Lord knows that we have a lot of people on this platform that don't need to have it. Um, <laughs> and there's not a lot of reasonable information because reasonable isn't sexy. Mm, right. Like nobody, nobody's going to listen to a podcast and be told that they need to drink more water. I mean, they are obviously they're listening to yours. They're listening to mine. Like, they, sure. What are they being told every day? Like drink more water, eat more protein, eat more vegetables, lift harder, sleep better, love harder, enjoy the world. Like we didn't give you like the magic pill that you've been expecting. It's like, oh, what's, what are your five secrets to losing fat? Like there are rapid fat loss protocol, <laughs> 24 hours or less lose 10 pounds. Yeah. I wish actually, I, you yeah. know what? I don't like, I think I say that, like I would say that I wish it was easy and I don't because then it wouldn't make me value anything. Right. Like I'm so fucking happy yeah. that my life has been hard. Yeah. I am like, I'm happy that I've been broke. I'm happy that I've been fucking sick. I'm happy that I've been addicted to drugs. I'm happy that I've had shit relationships because I would not be the 40, almost 40 year old man that I am today. If I hadn't suffered all that. Mm. like why do you want it to be easy like you look at all these like i grew up with a bunch of fucking trust fund babies i grew up around wealth my whole life and those people are douchebags and they're unfulfilled and they're unhappy because everything has been spoon-fed to them their entire existence so they've never had to critical think for anything they've never had to bleed for anything nothing's ever been hard it's all just been falling into their lap all the time is that how you want to live like that's the legacy you want to leave at the end of your life Mm. that's good i was talking to a client about about um she just, uh, she's just finished her, her, her program with us and she's crushing it and she's just a different human. Right. And we got talking on a call about, uh, she brought up her parents and how like she grew up with her parents being like alcoholics and cra- and just not good people. Um, and so they never valued her. So as a child, she learned to never value herself. And so she's had to do some reparenting and that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> one thing I taught, we, we met, I mentioned to her, as I said, Hey, if don't just don't forget if you had the parents you wanted, you wouldn't be the bad motherfucker you are today. Like we had like in the, I think some of those mental reframes are so good because she's such an amazing human. She has some boys that she's been this incredible mom to. But I said, if you had the mom and dad you wanted and arguably needed, you would not be the bad motherfucker you are today. And then she kept obviously started getting emotional, but it but it's true because when we go through resistance and suffering, um, it serves us if we let it, you know. 
I think what other way is there? Like, I, I don't know that anything has ever been easy. Like, I, I, I came to this country when I was five in 1989. We immigrated from Russia. That was a I fucking I didn't know nightmare. that. That's dope. Yeah. That was a fucking nightmare. Well, maybe dope. I don't know. You said it's a nightmare. So. <laughs> I mean, it's dope that it happened. But, like, I, you know, I just, I, I'm watching that show, The Americans on FX now. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. About this, the, it's a show about how, like, uh, the KGB spies that were living as American families in the United States, they were actually, like, they were trained to speak English. They came here together and they actually had kids and they were, they were, they were called uh director at S and they were actually spies living in America on American soil, living as American families with American children born here, but they were KGB officers doing Intel go back and forth. And this was a real thing. Um, so I, I came from one of the most locked up, fucked up countries in the world where they spun everything to make it look like Russia was the best place on earth. And moving to America, where literally you can go from being broke to rich in a matter of a year. Yeah. Like there is no shortage of opportunity in this country. Like they're really, like anybody that has a hard time here would be destroyed anywhere else. Mm. Like if you're suffering in the United States, like go spend like a week in the Philippines. Yeah. Like go spend a week in Thailand. Like you'd be fucking dead. Like you wouldn't, like drop you off in the middle of like Beijing, China tomorrow and let me know how well you do. And let me, let, like, Talk to me about where, how, like, how well your pronouns are being accepted there. Mm. Like, let, like, let me see you flourish in that environment. Like, if you yeah. can't make it here, where it's literally set up for you to make it as easy as possible, as sensitive as possible, as e- like as simple as can be, with all the ripest opportunity. Like, nowhere else in the world is giving you this opportunity. So, if you can't make it here, you literally can't make it anywhere. So, use this really cushy environment to create the best possible outcome. And maybe that's the fault. Yeah. Maybe it's we've made it too easy for people. Well, it's like, well, it's like that. There's I'm, I might butcher this. It's like that quote: "Easy times make for weak men. Weak men make for hard times. Hard men. I'm sorry. Hard times make for strong men. Strong men make for good times. Good times make. We, and it's just this fucking wicked cycle or whatever. However it goes. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, like, have you ever watched the movie Cinderella Man? Uh, if I have, it's been a minute. It's so good. It's about a boxer during the Great Depression. It's a, it's a true story. And the guy, it just basically chronicles his entire life during the Great Depression, like trying to like feed his family, like working, like getting picked for a factory job that day to where he'll make like 30 cents that he can go put the lights back on in his apartment. Mm. And over time, he has to like go into the welfare office and collect money, which he was so embarrassed about because it was below his integrity level. And he's like, I don't want to take handouts. I want to earn it, but I need it to keep the kids alive. His kids that take taken away from him and sent off because they can't afford to keep them. So, like nobody, like yes, of course, I, like, I don't want to ever discount and say that nobody bleeds anymore. But the reality is, is if you have one of these and you spend two to three hours on it, scrolling other people's lives, you probably have enough time to build the life that you want. Yeah, you probably do. Like that extra three hours a day that you spend rolling. Like I, I, I forgot that social media is meant for entertainment. Mm. Like I really do. Like I always, I log on to this thing because I have to do it for work and I have to interact with my, with my audience. I don't just mindlessly scroll reels all day long and like watch like cats fall off of trees. Like I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have the band. If I want to be entertained, like I'll, I have 97 different TV subscriptions that I'll go put on. Sure. Like I paid $4.99 for Paramount and $5.99 for HBO max and all this other shit. So if I need to like consume like brainless television, I'll go do that. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not going to spend my time on here. This is a great place to find motivation, inspiration, ideas, information. Like this is incredible. Like half of your education on nutrition and fitness can be done on here. Like, there are so many good accounts on here. 
I mean, the amount of people that like lifting Lindsay, N1 Education, Paul Carter, your account, my account, Beth's account, the amount of people that are teaching you how to live a better life because they've fucked up somehow in their past and now they're doing it better. And you're not taking advantage of that. Shame on you. Yeah. YouTube University. I always, I like, dude, you can get the best education on YouTube. It's unreal. Yeah. You can, you can build, you can, you can learn how to build a house. Any, if there's ever been anything that I don't know how to do, I just, I'm like, I, I, I promise you YouTube has it. Bro, I'm the least handy man ever. Same. And bro, I like, I, I had to like move a stud in my wall. <laughs> like I'm talking about some like dangerous shit. Like I'm like, Oh, I got to install this door. Oh fuck. The door's too wide for the hole. I guess I have to move a stud over. And I did it. And it's like, what the fuck? I felt like a million bucks, but it's, but it's, it's why people will find an account. Let's say like yours or like mine or, or one of these other, other guys that are doing it for the right reasons, putting out good content. And it will literally change someone's life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, but that's why I feel like uh, you're, you're right. I think, yes, there's still some people that bleed, but I feel like some people want it to be so easy. I'm not saying it's gotta be an extremism, bullshit, crazy thing, but like the amount of conversations I've had to have about someone that says, Oh, I know like, like when someone says, Jared, I know what to do. I just don't do it. I go, well, you either don't really know, or you don't really care. It's like if a child knows they're supposed to clean their room and they don't, it's because they don't give a fuck. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, but then all of a sudden, Hey, your girlfriend's coming over and she's going to go, it's, you're going to look like a slob. They go, Oh shit. Well now why? Cause their desire changed. They right. don't, they care now and they didn't before. And I feel like, the amount of conversations I've had with people who just don't want to put forth any action. Well, I know I need to go work out, but I just, I just am not making it happen. I know I should. And it's not, or like, I know I should probably eat less and like, well, it doesn't matter what it is, but uh, in certain cases, my, I go straight to like, you're not fucking helpless. I think so many people like act like they're helpless and it's like, no, you got to put forth, not saying you have to go a hundred percent, but 50 is a good start. 60 is a good start, you know, something, but you know, I'll take, I would just something as simple as like walking. Mm-hmm. Like, like what is preventing? And trust me, I, I've worked with people that are like dispatchers for the NYPD. Like they, they, they literally have to sit in a chair for 10 hours a day. Right. Like they're not, they're allowed to like, they, if they take a five, by the way, they're allowed cigarette breaks for the NYPD, but they're not allowed to take a lunch. Make, make that make sense for me. So you can go outside and have a cigarette but you're not allowed to eat at your desk or take a lunch. Again, the world is a fucked up place, but like, but like, unless your job is, is, is chaining you to your desk. There are so many creative ways to where you can literally, like I, I don't leave my apartment some days. Like there's been weeks where I haven't started my car because because like the gym is closed. I'll ride my bike, whatever weeks where I just don't leave my apartment because, or if I do, I'm going to the gym and it's close. So if I can get 15,000 steps on average working from home, why the fuck can't you? Like, I, I have a standing desk. I can do my podcast standing. I can type standing. I can take phone calls, pacing back and forth in my tiny 700 square foot apartment to the kitchen, to the living room, to the bed. Like, I literally walk through every room multiple times on a phone call. Like, get creative. Well, I, I can't. I can't make it to the gym. Fine, don't make it to the gym. Don't make it to the gym. Do reverse lunges. Do grab a TRX band, hook it to your door, do rows, do tricep extensions. Like there's ways to do something. Are you going to get the best physique in the world doing it? No, of course not. But it's going to be better than what you're doing now. Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest. Most people aren't that low level, right? Like most people that are consuming our content have probably already understood some of the basics. So they're probably eating more protein. They're probably starting to go into the gym. 
But then there's this disconnect behind some of the nuance of it. So maybe now is the conversation where you're like, okay, well, what is progressive overload? How do I push myself to failure? Where are my lats? Where is my, my middle deltoid? Where is my quad? How do I stimulate these muscles? Why do I want to eat more carbs on training days? Like that's that stuff. Okay, fine. Like that's where you have to get real crystal clear and real consistent. Yeah. Because like what you did from A to B is not what's going to happen from B to C. What got you here won't get you there. Yeah. No, of course. Like even me now, like now working with Jace, like the amount of bullshit that he's called me out on. He's like, bro, like I know you're not stupid. He's like, you just don't fucking care. Wow. That's a good coach right there. That's what I'm talking about. And I loved it. I'm like, bro, like, of course, like, please, like, by all means, I'm never going to get upset about that. Like, I spent a week overeating at night because I was stoned and I was ordering Grubhub for no reason. Like, I already hit my 2,800 calories, but I had nothing but time at the end of the day because I was bored. I wasn't filling my time with anything productive. And I sat on the couch high. And when I get high, I get the munchies. So what did I do? I saw that I had a problem. What was the cause of the problem? Smoking and having nothing to do. So what did I do? I removed smoking. So immediately remove the problem of overeating. I, didn't, I wasn't hungry. Like anybody tells me that they have cravings at night. I'm, I'm sorry. Like if you were that hungry at night, if I give you a bag of carrot sticks, would you eat it? No, probably not. Like you want fucking chocolate. You want chips. You want Stacy's pita chips. You want bagel chips. Like you want crunchy snacks. Like that's not because you're hungry. That's just because you're bored. It was, it's interesting you say that whenever people would ask, like, I can't tell if I'm hungry or not. I ask, would you eat? Like either a grilled chicken salad or a really good turkey sandwich, you know, like a good deli meat sandwich, yeah, um, or 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 real food, and right. and nine times out of ten, if they wouldn't, it, then it, I say they're bored, they're emotional, whatever. Actually, I had an experience. I was at a, I was in uh, downtown Nashville, and we were all fucking hungry. The, the fellas I was with, and we went to the Hard Rock because it was the only place where you could hear yourself think, um, and because you do when you're really really hungry, it's dumb what you're willing to eat when you're really hungry. We like ordered, they were super slow. So we ordered an appetizer. They had like four pieces of like chipotle shrimp in it or whatever, but it was on like a bed of like, think of little sticks made of lettuce. <laughs> like you took a piece of lettuce and they're tiny. They're like, they're this thin. Well, we pounded the shrimp like that. Cause we're all fucking hungry, but they were taking just so fucking long to get our food, bro. I am eating these <laughs> bullshit strips of lettuce because I was legitimately hungry. I'm not saying people would go, people go starve themselves and try to eat like a rabbit, but I was actually hungry and I was trying to find some semblance of <laughs> hunger re resolution from lettuce sticks because the restaurant was taking so damn long. So when someone's like, I'm not hungry, actually, I noticed this. I'll tell my wife, I'm like, man, I'm hungry. Nothing sounds good. I've got meal preps in the fridge, I've got fucking chicken and rice. And I'm like, ah, I'm hungry. Nothing sounds good. And, but it sounds good as fucking chips. So I'm like, I should probably just make a sandwich. I should probably go grab the meals that are ready to go right now and get over myself. That, that to me is probably one of the most powerful levels of self-awareness that you'll ever come to is when you realize that it's not that you're hungry. It's just that you're, you're, you want something to deviate away from your norm. Yeah. Like, listen, I eat the same four things essentially every single day. How do I make them exciting? I flavor them in different ways. So maybe one night I'm doing, if I do beef, like I'm mostly my protein sources are like beef, shrimp, whey, eggs, and egg whites. That's, like, that's what I tolerate. That's what feels good to me. That's what I eat. So if I want to make my beef and rice dish at night feel different, like maybe one night I'm doing Asian. So I'm doing like a soy-free teriyaki sauce. Maybe one night I'm doing 
you know, I'll, I'll squirt mustard and ketchup in it, make it into a burger bowl. Maybe one night I'm doing Mexican, so I'll do some adobo in there. So yeah, you can you can flavor. At the end of the day, the base stays the same, the amount stays the same. It's just a different flavor profile. And if I have a sweet tooth, like of course I want ice cream, but I know ice cream makes me feel like shit. So what do I do? I'll do a big bowl of berries. Uh, you ever see? You guys have like the chocolate hummus over there in Indianapolis? No. What the um, fuck is that bullshit? It's literally it's hummus. Chocolate it's, hummus? It's, it tastes like chocolate pudding. It's unbelievable. Wow. Uh, Boar's Head makes one. Uh, a couple other wow. brands make it. So I'm sure. What, do you guys have Kroger there? Yeah, yeah, we have Kroger. So I think Kroger will have it. So interesting. Peek around at like the deli counter and see if you can't find it, or go on Boar's Head's website and see where they do sell it. Chocolate it's, it's, hummus. Yeah, and I'll just and I'll Noted. do like two dollars. It's it's like eighty calories maybe for like two tablespoons of it, and you mix that around. You do some sugar free whipped cream on top. So now at least you're getting micronutrients, you're getting fiber, you're eating real food, and you're still have satisfying that sweet tooth. So there's all these there's all these things that we can do to kind of like auto regulate ourselves. It's just easier to make the suboptimal choice because it's usually cheap and it's usually convenient and it's usually requiring zero thought. I think one of the biggest differences this whole conversation has been alluding to is, is your brain has been in a very, on the offense about finding solutions about all of this. It's, it hasn't been, Oh, well, and then validate some dumb decisions. It's, these are my priorities. I know there's solutions some here, somewhere here and you just might have to dig for it. Right. Like you're working from home all day, like, uh, like you're working from home all day. And so you're like, fuck, I gotta get my steps in. Um, for me, I, um, I'm in, I'm down a staff member. So I'm like pulling some extra load because of that. Um, everyone that follows me know, I knows I detest morning workouts, literally fucking no hate morning workouts. I just can't stand them. Well, going, I'm going strong, like from AM all the way to like 10. It was the other day was from 10 o'clock at night and it was a training day. I'm like, fuck. All right. I, it's not going to, I I knew it wasn't going to be as good of a workout, but it better than me being a bitch and saying, you know what? It's fine. I deserve a break. I'm working all day. No, I got my ass up early. I walked in the gym all groggy and grumpy and I got my shit done and I came home and went to work. It's, it's the same kind of thing though. But your, your brain has been, what do I have to dig for? Cause I know there's opportunity in here. I know there's a solution in here, but I have to find it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see problems. Like unless you have something that's terminal, and you have no time left, like where, where is there not a solution to something? Mm. I was going to the airport a couple months ago and I got picked up by a guy in a Tesla and he just, he was telling me like kind of the story. It was like a 10 minute ride at the airport. He's a school teacher who stopped teaching because he wasn't making dick money and everything got ruined during COVID. He realized that Hertz was offering a special on renting Teslas for $300 a month. And he knew that if you drive Uber using an electric car, you get a bonus for every ride that you do. So they give you like a little bit of an injection of money because you're using an electric car. So this guy makes two grand a week driving Uber. So he saw a problem. He didn't see a problem, actually. He saw a solution. He's like, I hate my fucking job. I like talking. I like driving. I have this opportunity. I can make more money as a driver than I can as a teacher. And there's all these opportunities available to me. Let me take it like that. And I just love that because that to me is the American spirit. The American spirit to me is not let me lay down and let me let, let life just like fucking punch me in the face. The American spirit is I'm going to persevere under the worst possible circumstances. And I'm going to figure out a way as opposed to just what I'm seeing now is just this fundamental lack of desire to want to move any step further. And I, and it just bothers me because it's, it's the reason why 
fulfillment is at an all-time low. Mental health is at an all-time low. Obesity is at an all-time high. None of these things are by accident. Yeah. It's funny when you when you said even – like unless your thing is terminal. But even – dude, that's the thing though is even – I've known – so many terminal people who are some bad motherfuckers. Like I was actually one of the, cra- one of the craziest client cases I've ever had was I was coaching this lady a few years ago. She had a ungodly severe case of lupus, like not just a, like it was so bad and we would have to alter her, her entire protocol depending on how bad her lupus was that day on a good day. Um, the most of a workout she could do walk around the block a few times, but she would literally, because of her situation, she had to, she checked in with me almost every day like deviated from the normal protocol. Cause she, cause I had to go, I didn't know what kind of day it was. I'm like, cool, good day. Joe, let's go around the block a few times and really like maybe make some meals and, uh, things like that. If it was a bad lupus day, if she could go high five her mailbox, that's what the, her training plan was. She would walk out to her mailbox, high five it, go back and lay down because that's all she could physically do. And on those days I'm like, all right, we're leaning into meditation and journaling to keep you sane and stay grounded. Um, if it's a good day, we're going to go around the block a few times. And I felt part of me felt bad as a coach because I'm like, man, I just know we could be doing so much more because compared to like the average client, but she got real open with me after that. And she goes, I can't tell you how important that period of time was and how grounding it was and the support and all of it. All we did was journal and go on. I had her go on journal and go on walks, but it was, it was predicated on how her lupus was that day because she was in not in a victim state. She was what's doable. Where's the solution. And that's how we conducted her whole protocol. And she made progress. It's always the people that have it the hardest that do the best. Yeah. Like my single moms with no help are my biggest badasses. Oh, every time, bro. It's the coolest thing ever. Like you give me a mom with like, you know, like a stay at home mom with a rich husband and like three, three nannies and a driver, like they ain't doing shit. They're finding every reason to complain that the plan isn't working. You give me the mom who's waking up at 3.30 in the morning every day, prepping her meals, driving her kids to work, or driving her kids to school, going to work, picking them up, and then going to the gym afterwards. Like, that woman will, will – she can move mountains. And a lot of people are capable of that. They've just never been forced into that situation. So instead of waiting for, like, the worst possible case scenario to occur to you or waiting to hit rock bottom because of how you look and feel, why don't you just take a proactive approach now – Stop worrying about the fucking number on the scale because it hasn't bothered you in 20 years until today, mm-hmm. right? Like you, it's almost like you rolled out of bed and were like, fuck, I'm fat. What am I going to do about it now? Mm. Like you weren't any less fat a week ago. You didn't shit about it back then. So if you, don't, if you really care that much about your appearance, you probably wouldn't have let it slip in the first place. Sure. Like I'm vain as fuck. I've never been above 18% body fat in my fucking life. Cause I would probably put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger. That's how fucking, that's how much of a pussy I am. Mm. I don't want to be fat because I do. De- I derive a lot of personal value out of my appearance. I don't, maybe that's wrong, but that's my system and it works for me. So what did I do? I never got fat because I knew if I got fat I, and to me, there's different degrees of discomfort. Like I would rather be uncomfortable doing the work that I do than be uncomfortable feeling like shit about myself. So if you truly don't want to suffer in that state of being or in that state of mind or have that body image issue, like there's actually evidence. I think there's a I forgot where the PubMed article was, but it was like the best way to lose weight is to not gain weight in the first place. <laughs> it was it was actually like a really, reason. That's <laughs> it's like it's like I'm like that's great, but it's also like no shit. Best way to be best way not to be poor is just have a bunch of money. Like no right. shit. But at least like with the poor thing, like you don't like sometimes you don't have the circumstance, right? Like if yeah, 
you know, let, let's say you grew up in a, in a not an affluent household. You've had to always work. Yeah, money accumulation or retention is different. Like the easiest way to combat fat is just to not accumulate in the first place. But once you do have it, you have to backtrack and realize what circumstances led you to that place. Like how did you accumulate those 30 pounds that you're now unhappy with? What were the circumstances that led to that? What were the decisions like during that time? What was your lifestyle like? Because everybody always has this idea like there's nothing bothers me more than when people are like, well, I'm athletic. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not athletic. Like you were athletic 25 years ago when you were an athlete being not paid for it. And you were at a very low level in high school. It doesn't make you an athlete. You played sports. It's like saying you're a fucking athlete when you go to like your 60 year old softball game and you're smoking cigarettes and drinking Bud Lights. It doesn't make you, <laughs> like, that doesn't make you a fucking athlete. It makes you a recreational sports yeah enthusiast so you can't think about like what life used to be like and the body you used to have and like you know like li- li- live in like the uh the 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 bundy days of like you know poke high back in the day when i threw three touchdowns in high school like nobody gives a shit about that now you have three kids now you have a full-time job you have a house to take care of you have a spouse who provides a bunch of stress you have a bunch of friends that are asking you to do a million different things a week so why don't you just do the best you can now and your body will at some point reflect some of that. And maybe when the kids are out of the house and work lightens up a little bit, you can put your foot on the gas pedal and maybe achieve a greater level of achievement. But you don't try to slip yourself into clothes that don't fit you. Don't try to live in the body that you think you should have from 20 years ago because all that shit has changed. I, it sounds airy-fairy when I say it, but I think it has some big boy tacticalness to it. When I think this is – I have this concept I talk about of being present in fat loss um, where – when people are either living in the, the high school days or like, well, I used to be 130 pounds in high school when they had an eating disorder or they're like living into the future too much. I'm like, bro, what's now? Cool. What's your life look like now? What kind of plan do we have to do now? I know this is what you used to do, but like that's, that's not even practical now. Hey, I know you did a bodybuilding show back when you were in, in college, but again, you're three kids, you have a life, you have a, a job, you like you're single now, like all this stuff. It's like, bro, like stop putting your benchmark to this unsustainable place that isn't even in real life anymore. What's, what's in the present right now, then we can go to work building the, the action plan. Yeah. And the people want tactics. Like they listen to podcasts, they go to on Instagram pages, they want tactics. The tactics are just do the basics every goddamn day and get really good at it. That's all it is. I think that's really all it is. Like, can you carve out three to five days a week where you can go to the gym? Okay. Maybe it's not three, maybe it's not four. Maybe like, there's no magic number. It doesn't need to be seven. And it shouldn't be one. So something between two and six is probably a decent thing. Like something, but like realistically, like two, you're not going to make any progress on usually, probably, unless you're training like Dorian Yates and you're on gas. Mm-hmm. But like, if you can't make it to the gym for three hours a week, like how poor is your time management? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like what is going, like, do you have, do you have like 10 kids? Do you have multiple businesses? Like, how can you not carve out three hours for exercise a week out of 168 hours? I just don't understand how that's not possible. Okay, cool. How do you how do you deal with eating? Well, make more food than you order. I think that's a really good starting point. And as you keep making more and more food and ordering less and less food, you can start refining that skill set. So, like, that's good. And it's it's just make more food than you order. Like, if you're if you're somebody who's eating out five plus times a week, understand that your environment is not very controlled and that those meals can add up very quickly because like something as simple as oil 
right? Like 15 milliliters of olive oil is 120 calories. Like when people measure out 15 milliliters of olive oil, they realize, holy shit, <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of calories. Like I, I did this yeah. experiment when I was in Florida visiting my parents. My, my mom was like trying to convince me that she eats healthy. Meanwhile, she just had a fucking pacemaker put in. I'm like, oh yeah, you're the picture of health. <laughs> I, I literally, there was luckily it was a measuring spoon at the Airbnb and I poured out 15 millers of oil and I put it on the salad. And she was like, you could almost saw, saw like the joy just leave her body. <laughs> she, she was like, that's all I get. I'm like, well, that's 120 calories. How much more do you want? She's like, well, I want like, well, I want more. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I put the thing on a scale and then she started pouring the amount of oil she would walk in there. It was eight servings mm. of almost a thousand calories right Probably close to a thousand yeah right so i'm like just the dressing of your salad alone like you might as well just make it swim in, in bacon grease like it's the same shit like you wouldn't eat that many calories worth of bacon right so like, no of course not that's unhealthy I'm like okay this is just as unhealthy because you have no semblance of portion control you have no idea like i, I had a client yesterday it was so fucking profoundly awesome she sent me a picture She's away in South Dakota. They go like, um, they do like ATVs and dirt biking and all this stuff. And they heard a couple of families get together and they rent an Airbnb. Dude, you should have seen the snacks that they, they bought from Costco for this trip. Fucking four different varieties of Pringles, mm. multiple boxes of chips, all sorts of candy, M&Ms, snack, like all that shit. Not one slice or shred of real food. I'm like, that's what people are snacking on all day long. That's your average American. Yeah. And then we wonder why we have a problem. Of course, it's easy to go grab another one of those little mini tins of Pringles and feel like, oh, well, I just had a little bit. How many little bits of that did you have all day long? Like, you didn't eat any real sustainable, like real actual food that was that was grown by real nature and came from an animal. And then when you did eat something from an animal, it was 80, 20 ground beef that was garbage. And you slathered it in mayonnaise and you put it between two buns. And you have you, you, like, so like, these are the decisions that people are making on a daily basis and wondering why they're lost. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, uh, I think so many people are like, they, because they're living, they're, they're living a lie and they have no idea. It's, it's why um, one of the things we do in, when we coach people is before we'll ever give nutrition protocols, I have to see what you're doing. Like, I'm not going Same. to tell you anything calorically Same. macro. I go, I just want to see seven days in the day in the life of you. And then Me we'll too. get a, get the check-in back and it's Monday through Thursday. And I go, I want to see Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to be Me honest, too. more than anything else. You know, because um, I swear it's at least 50 to 80% of people who are like, not, not that 1200 calories is a magic number, but people go, I'm eating 1200 calories and I can't lose weight. And I'm like... No, the fuck you're you not. Might be, you might be the rarity who maybe has some serious metabolic adaptation shit going on, but 90% of people who are like, oh, a lick taste bite. Oh yeah. I'll take a, who wants, who wants, who wants a, a Starbucks order? Yeah. Give me a caramel frappuccino. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's one tablespoon of peanut butter. Like if you think like you want to lose hope in the world, just because how, I, you know, what's funny. I think about this. Um, I see, I see these clips of family feud all the time, like on social where they like, we interviewed a hundred people, asked them this, this question. I would love to go interview a hundred people in the streets of New York to go, give me one tablespoon of peanut butter and just see what everyone says and make a big piece of content on it. But, uh. but I think people, but I think, man, at the end of the day, it's, it's not, everyone thinks they have to do all this extremism stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like, dude, we're just making these small changes and bringing hyper levels of awareness and that's it. And that's it. And I, and I know that some people are resistant to that because there is this very large culture right now that, that will label stuff like food tracking and quantification as a disordered pattern. 
or that it might exacerbate eating disorders. I just think that's perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's perspective. Like you, if you have a financial problem and your financial advisor is like, Hey, you can't spend more than two grand a month. Or you're not going to be able to afford that house. You're probably looking at your bank account every day, monitoring your expenditure. So if you're truly at a loss for progress with your weight loss journey and you're not, you're unwilling to put something on a scale or you think that's going to trigger you, then you probably need deeper levels of mental help at that point. You don't need a fat loss diet. You don't need a coach. You should probably just invest in an actual cognitive behavioral therapist if that's your relationship with a food scale. So what's what's funny is um, I made a post about that one time, but I did a whole different mental reframe. I said, man, losing weight so hard. Or I'm sorry. I said, man, this food thing, I didn't say losing weight. I said, this food thing is so, is so, uh, is so overwhelming. I've got to weigh everything. I've got to like use special bowls. I have to use special to like measuring cups. Everything has to be to the gram and it can't be a little bit over. It's so tedious and so monotonous, but fuck these cookies are going to be so good when I'm done with them. So my question is, why is it cool when it's a bit like that? That's what will get me. Cause we work with a lot of people. Like I don't say we're a replacement th for therapy or that stuff, but we work with a lot of people disordered bullshit and I have systems for it all, but it blows me away. How many people will say tracking calories is disordered. Weighing your food is disordered. All that's disordered. But somehow when you decide to make cookies, a cake, bake things, it, it's, it's great. You decide to like, I'm going to get into mutual funds. I'm going to get into investing. I want to manage my money. It's great. But dare, dare you want to like control your, your, your health and your well being, and you decide to track something in front of someone and fuck your disorder to shit. But when yep. it's cookies, it's fine. It's fine when it's baking cookies. You have to be precise, Jared. You have to be precise or else that cookie's going to taste like shit. And guess what? Now, right. you're order, now you're ordering crumble for $35 delivered to your door. My unpopular opinion is crumble is overrated. It depends on the week. Yeah. It's it depends not on consistent. the week. I, li I like, I like the frosted stuff because I, I just, it's always like the topping for me that works. Yeah. And I need at least two, two substances of vanilla and then two of chocolate so I can compare the two together. I like it. And, and again, I'm going to weed. Is, is Indiana, is Indiana, um, weed legal or no? No, it's dumb. It's not, I don't understand. Well, you could just drive up over into Illinois and probably get it. Oh, I know. I know. Like it's, I, it's not hard to get here, but it's for some reason not legal, but it's, weird yeah that's why i love living in california especially now because i even you know i i used to i still do love alcohol like there's a part again it's not that i love alcohol i love the environment of alcohol mm. like give me a good music festival give me a house party yeah. like give me something fun where i can like kind of just lose myself in it like and, and you know i've always been open with all my clients like you know whether it's been a drug past or whatever else like i think mind-altering substances are really awesome if you know how to use them with intention but so is food if you know how to use it with intention. But that's the problem is people aren't using anything with intention anymore. They're just doing it mindlessly and they have no concept of it. Like I have, like if you put an ounce of Coke and three bottles of alcohol in front of me right now, I wouldn't touch any of it. Mm. But if you give me a good enough reason to it, right? Like if you, like if fucking Tiesto was sitting outside my door and there was 55 people in my house. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I will do all of it. I'll do That's the entire ounce. I will drink all three bottles of tequila and I'll, and I'll sit the rest of the day on the couch tomorrow feeling sorry for myself, but I know I had a good time and I probably won't do it again for another three to four months. Mm. But how many people are having those types of weekends, weekend over weekend over weekend, whether, yeah. you know, the two or three beers are adding up the multiple plates of tortilla chips that are coming out in the basket that you're not stopping eating the burrito here, 
the eggs benedict here, the waffles here, like all that stuff is going to add up. But if you're chronically living on 1500 calories, your metabolism can't handle 2500 because now it's a surplus. And that's what people don't want to understand. Well, I think you mentioned it. I love the clip. It was on, it was a clip from uh, Beth and Matt's podcast where you said people don't actually diet. They, they diet for 72 hours and behave like degenerates for the rest of the week and then lather, rinse, repeat. I mean, that's if I lived on 1200 calories, that's what my weekends would look like. Cause I would be so frustrated with myself because I've just been so restrictive. Like there's no, unless you're a really, really small person. Like I, there's definitely been cases where like I've had women that were like 120 pounds, 115 pounds. And for whatever reason they wanted, to, I'm not going to argue with them if they want to lose weight. Like it is what it is. It's your journey. I'll try to put some muscle on you, but if you want to be 112, yeah. Okay. Maybe a 1200 calorie diet for that person makes sense. But if you're 190 pounds, why the fuck do you think 1,200 calories is at all going to sustain any real health marker inside your body? Like, yeah, I usually use a range. Like, anything below eight calories per pound is not good. Mm. That's that's just my general guideline. Like, I I, tip, I typically tell people like, if you can't make progress on less than on eight calories per pound, you're either not very good at quantifying it, you're not very loyal or consistent with it, or there then can be something metabolically wrong. Yeah, for sure. Eight calories per pound is a fucking deep diet mm -hmm. for anybody. Like that is an extreme low amount of calories and you should be able to lose weight. I mean, Minnesota Starvation Project, all these other things, diets work. Yeah. They don't not. Absolutely. We, we've got multiple <laughs> pieces of evidence like they do work. They just shouldn't be, they just shouldn't be used for multiple months on end. Yeah. Or just stay in your deficit till all 80 of your pounds comes off. That's the problem is like the, the idea that like one dieting cycle is going to get me that dream body. Right. Like I'm going to go on, I'm going to do keto for the next, however long it's going to take. And I'm just going to do, I'm going to immediately melt into Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. No, like it's, 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 it's build muscle, lose some fat, build some more muscle, maintain it, lose some fat. Build a little bit more muscle, maintain it, lose some more <laughs> fat. Like, okay, year after year after year of practicing that. Like, if there's 52 weeks in a year, you probably shouldn't be dieting for two quarter, two thirds of it. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be in maintenance for probably at least 60 to 70% of the year. Let me ask you this. Um, this is because this is a common thing we see in, in our people because I'm, I'm the biggest fan of cycling ever, all of that, lots of maintenance phases and everything. But usually, um, usually when someone goes through their first bout of maintenance, they're scared shitless. They're like, so what, what would you say, especially as someone who, who gets this, who's very well educated in this, who has countless success stories with this, what do you say to the person that's scared shitless to go into maintenance? Why would you be afraid of something that's actually comfortable? Mm. Like that's the one place where you can actually chill a little bit. Like if you're on a diet, stop going out to eat. Like, I'm sorry. Like if you want to, if you want to actively be pursuing it, like I, I I'm very stringent about this stuff because to me, it's like, if I can't track it, why do it? Like if I can't, tr like, unless you're going to eat every single meal at like your local diner, where they're like not using oil, they're not using butter, they're not putting any flavoring on your food. Like you can't control your environment. So you can't be like actively dieting and also still living a life of balance. It doesn't work that way. You're either dieting and you're consistent and adhere to your diet to allow the diet to work. So you're not as uncomfortable for very long. And you can just exit the fuck out of it and then get into that really great place of maintenance. But like maintenance to me is a, a massive opportunity for progress because you can dial up your training intensity. You finally can actually produce a muscle protein synthesis because you're probably eating enough to do it. You're probably better fed and better prepared for training sessions. 
you probably can have better digestive outcomes. You could probably have a better mood. And if your mood and your energy is all good, you're probably making better decisions. So leverage maintenance for as long as you humanly can. And maybe build some caloric tolerance during that maintenance. Because if you can ratchet up calories during maintenance, because your training intensity is actually getting to the point where you justify those calories, cool. Now you're not dieting at some stupid low number forever. You're actually building up some tolerance for calories and you're building a storage facility for calories. Mm. Like you can grow muscle. Like I used to be dogmatic and think that you needed to be in a surplus to grow muscle, but I've proven that that's not true. No, you don't have, no. No, like I, I'm not in a surplus right now and I'm building muscle. I'm now granted I'm on, I'm on 180 milligrams of testosterone, but that doesn't bring me to a super physiological level. It just brings me back to baseline. So most undertrained women don't need to be in a, they can be in a fucking deficit and grow muscle, but I'd rather see them in a, in a maintenance phase. Like, and if maintenance is not like people think it's like a pinpoint number. Like if it's, if it's 1755 and I eat 1758 <laughs> calories, like I'm in a surplus and it's over. <laughs> like that's it. Like that's where the belly fat's coming from. It's those three right. calories over maintenance. Um, so maintenance is probably, you probably have, I don't know, 150 to 200 calories of cushion on either side. Yeah. So it's probably like a 400 calorie range really realistically. So if you live within that range, you will probably be fine. There's probably a lot of good stuff you can do inside that place, but you're, but you have to be consistent with it and it can get boring because there's no noticeable progress happening. Like you have to start to enjoy the finer details. Like how, how well am I training? Am I somebody who controls tempo and form? Do I know where my muscles are? Do I know what, what muscles are supposed to be doing work during this exercise? Am I cleaning up my food quality to start to enjoy better mood, better digestion, better energy? Is my sleep improving? Can I be doing other things to work on my mental health? Like the journaling stuff that you were talking about. There's a lot of opportunities and maintenance that people don't see. And then they rush out of it to get into this dieting phase. And I purposely make dieting miserable for people mm. to like incentivize them out of yeah, it. Like, I'm like, so if you're going to maintenance. Right. Yeah. I'm like, get the fuck out. Like I have a woman right now begging me to get out of her diet. She, she was begging me to get into it. I'm like, are you sure? And I literally kept asking her for months. I'm like, are you sure you want to die? Cause I knew she was ready. She had, we had built her up. She's 134 pounds and we built her up to like almost 2,400 calories. She was lifting her ass off, getting stronger. And I just kept asking, like, are you ready to die? She's like, I'm like, are you sure you're ready to die? She's like, yeah, I'm ready. Three weeks into it. She's like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I fucking hate it. I can't wait for this to be over. I'm like, well, guess what? You signed up for it and you got to do a minimum of six weeks. Yeah. Like none of her biofeedback sucks. She's absolutely fine. Sure. Like she, it's just mental fortitude at this yeah. point. I'm like, no, fuck you. Like I, I treat her like the kid. <laughs> I treat her like the kid who wanted to smoke the cigarette and now I'm going to make you smoke the whole pack. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like you wanted the cigarette that bad. Cool. Let's see you smoke the whole pack of Marv Reds and let's see if you still want to smoke afterwards. I, I know some, I know some coaches that like the clients that want to do all the trendy bullshit. They're like, you know what? Go do it and tell me how that works out for you. Eat keto, eat carnivore, eat, eat whatever. Go in your fucking weird fasting window. Do it for the next month. And let's, let's see how that goes. And like, let them, let them find out the stove is hot. You know, I, I think it's great. I, I actually have never, I, I think there's value to fasting and keto for sure during spe for specific people, for specific populations with certain issues. Um, I just had a call with somebody the other day where I was learning different protocols to, and when to deploy them. So I actually just recently did deploy keto on a client of mine and oh. it's been, it's been an interesting experience because their first week and a half, she was miserable. Like this is awful. But it was real keto. Like we were 65% fat, 25% protein. Like we were actually like not there. just binge eating mayonnaise and bacon grease. <laughs> no, like she she was eating like 
real real sources of omega-3 fats, flax seeds. She was eating like real protein. Like she was only eating certain types of vegetables and fruits, no starches. Like it was real keto. And now she's about three weeks into it. She's not down a ton of weight, but she feels really good. And her body count has changed because she's somebody who's highly stressed, high levels of inflammation. She's got a couple of different things going on from an autoimmune perspective. So keto is not a bad idea for somebody like that. And it's also not a bad idea if you're severely overweight and don't move at all, mm. right? Like if you're somebody who weighs 500 pounds and you don't move off your couch, you can go keto and probably see some result until your body starts to need those carbs because the motion starts to go up. But stuff like fasting, like nobody ever actually does these things the way that they're intended to be done. Like they do them for a couple of days or they try them. Like I, whenever I hear, whenever like in the intake form, it says, I tried X, Y, Z. I, I usually just assume that you didn't do shit. Yeah, I get that. Like you dipped your toes in the water. It was cold. I got the fuck out immediately when it got uncomfortable. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That means you yeah. never actually allowed, like keto actually takes three to five weeks to kick in. Yeah. And you better be measuring that with a blood monitor. Like don't just piss on a stick and tell me you're in ketosis and don't dude, be dude, drinking dude. on the weekends and tell me you're bro, in ketosis. No, I, like, no, everyone I know that says they like that, that follows something like keto. I go, Oh, what's, what's your, what's your blood test telling you? What's your finger prick telling you? And they're like, what? Yeah. Like, like the fact, like they're like, I thought I just don't eat carbs and I like eat all the bacon and mayonnaise and like, like, dude, I had a dude one time that used to like, uh, I had a dude at one time that was at the, that the gym I used to work at. I had like a meal prep meal between clients of like chicken, rice and broccoli, normal bodybuilder style meal. And he like, like close your eyes and squirt like all the mayonnaise on you and stuff, tons of cheese, all of the stuff, like enough to like, it made the macaroni noises when he stirred it. Like that's how, that's how much it was. And he goes, I had like, I had a chicken and a potato and like broccoli. And he goes, he looked at me like I did something wrong. He goes, is that a potato? And I go, (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, you know, a little little medium potato with, you know, my chicken and stuff. And he goes, oh, well, I'm on keto. As he's like <laughs> like eating, he, yeah, he's got some chicken, but he's got so much mayonnaise. He's probably got 800 calories of mayonnaise and cheese where it's making macaroni noises when he stirs it, shaming me for my fucking 150-calorie potato. <laughs> and, that, and that's the problem is like vegetables are bad fruits are bad we got guys like mark hyman who are like yelling at us because vegetables are trying to kill us because of their phytoprotective chemicals right like the amount of like dumb cherry picking evidence that i see every day like it's just dumb. I, I i gotta respect guys like huberman because his podcast is massive he's this authority figured out but like fuck him i'm sorry like stop <laughs> like stop making everything so complicated you're sending people down this very unreasonable rabbit hole and by the way, his PhD is not in nutrition. His PhD is not in training. It's in it's in like light therapy, how like your light, how your eyes perceive circadian rhythm. Like that's what he got his PhD in. Interesting. So like if you want to like talk about like sunning your taint and like walking out into nature, <laughs> like if that's the if that's the if that's gonna be how you optimize training, like if you if you spend 14 minutes in a cold plunge versus 13, it's less effective. Like who we have an obesity problem. We don't have an optimization issue in America. Like nobody's like trying to like, I, I hate this idea, like this movement towards optimization. Like we don't even like we got people are online that are arguing about like insertion and origin points of the lats. Like just, just fucking show somebody what a lat pull down looks like and tell them where they're supposed to feel it. Yeah. Pull and this just, to this. Th- that's it. And just fuck <laughs> off. And that's it. Like that's all I need yeah. you to do. But like when we yeah. and the, and the amount of comments that come in because all these nerds and idiots are sitting there arguing back and forth with another, 
And half the time, like your physique looks like shit anyway. Mm. Like, why do you care about optimizing anything? You're not growing because you're not training hard enough and you're not eating, which is this is, which is the antithesis of what the woman over there is doing, who is trying to grow a booty while eating kale chips all day long. Mm-hmm. Like none of this stuff makes sense anymore. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's crazy, man. But man, dude, this has been so good. I know we've been, I've been, uh, I know I've been meaning to, to get, have this episode to get recorded and stuff. So I really appreciate you doing this, man. For those listening, where can they find you? If they're like, I like this, you know, this bald bastard, where can I find his shit? <laughs> this, this unreasonable <laughs> mean psychopath. Uh, all my, all my craziness is four weeks at four weeks to the beach on Instagram. The numbers four and two weeks to the beach on Instagram. Um, that's where you'll find me. That's where I'll answer DMs. I'm answering DMs every single day. So if you ever have any questions for me, let me know. Uh, I host an event in Vegas and still trying to drill down dates. It'll be in March, but that's a coaching event, not exclusively for coaches. It is open to general public. If you just want to come and learn about various disciplines across nutrition, training, and stuff like that, that is a good opportunity to come and learn. I've had I've had some lay folks show up to it last year, and they really loved it. Uh, it's a good, it's a good way to just feel like you're connected to something that's actually real as opposed to getting all this like influencer information. Like this is real. These are real educators who are very good at what they do that are teaching as opposed to like somebody who just has a big following. Um, but that's really it. I don't really plug anything. If you need a coach, I do coach. If you don't need it, if you just need advice, I'm happy to just give advice for free. So that's kind of what I do. I love it, man. Good shit. Well, we'll be sure to throw all that in the show notes and all that good stuff. So, dude, thank you again for doing this. This has been really good. Thanks, Jared. And hopefully uh, we'll finally get to meet in person. We can we get to finally be degenerates and eat five guys together. Let's do it. Yes. I love it, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, man. And we're back. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to uh, this week's episode of Dieting from the Inside Out, because we all know outer work without inner work doesn't work. And I am committed to bringing it you a, a video or a, a video too, but uh, an episode every single week, because that's how we change this. That's how we change the uh, the industry. That's how we change the the entire space of of trying to change your life. And that's what we're here to do. So if you got a lot of value out of this, number one, subscribe to the show, wherever you're listening to it on. So YouTube, it's there, subscribe there. iTunes, Spotify, Google, I don't care. Subscribe, leave me a review. It means a ton to me and it really, really helps. But if this, if this hit home, I want you to, um, if this hit home, I want you to share this with someone like the person that you thought of that you're like, man, they're struggling with this too. I want you to send this episode to them or screenshot it, put it on your story. That is my one ask. If every one of my viewers that, that is watching this, that's you shares this, it, we will literally double the podcast in, uh, it's in terms of its downloads and the amount of people we're helping, because you know, if you listen to the episode or the show consistently, you know how helpful this can be. You know how much one piece of advice or perspective can change your life. And you could literally be the person that gives that to someone else. You share it, the one person sees it and they go, Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you the amount of stories I have from people who felt hopeless, they were ready to give up, and then they heard the right podcast episode, and their whole life was changed, and you could be that catalyst for someone just by sharing it. So please do that for me. It means a ton. It supports the show, and it helps a bunch of other people. So uh, I appreciate the fuck out of you. Before you go, I do have a lot of stuff for you in the description. Number one, 
I have for you uh, all of Aram's contact info. Be sure if you listen to this and you're like, wow, this was dope. I want you to reach out to Aram and tell him what's up. Tell him that you heard uh, his story on the show and that you appreciate him. Please do that for me. Next, there is, uh, if you're not sure quite where to get started with all this weight lossy stuff, uh, I do have my free course. It's called the Fat Loss Checklist. It's down below and it is a game changer. It will simplify everything for you if you're not quite sure where to get started. Um, if you are, uh, you know what to do, you're, you're getting started, but you just feel alone. You feel lost. Like your, your husband doesn't get it. Your friends are kind of like crabs in a bucket and you're just kind of feel like you're lone wolf in it with no support. Join my Facebook community. I have an amazing community I built called fat loss simplified, and it is nothing but the right kind of people you need to be around to really help love you, love on you, support you. And it's a place you can go to get more answers to your problems. And it's completely free. Uh, so many of our problems go away when we land ourselves in the right communities of people. We can see it happen with kids. Like the law of association is real. You get a good kid around bad kids and the good kids turns bad, or you get a bad kid around good kids and he turns good. It's no different for you just because you're an adult. If you're struggling, you get around a bunch of killers, you're going to turn into a killer. It's just how the, the universe works. So join my Facebook community. I'll leave a link below where you can go into Facebook and search fat loss simplified. And it's right there. Uh, I'm trying to think what else, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube, definitely check out the YouTube because we have full length episodes on there as well as a million shorts, uh, and some medium form content that isn't anywhere else. And then what else? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, of course I am. Two things actually. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast website, you will, you should absolutely go at least check it out. We have a brand new podcast website. It's dieting from the inside out.com. And it is your hub for all things. The podcast touches. It is, uh, we have all the resources. We have all the audio, all the video, but we also have the entire episode, all of the episodes transcribed into blogs. So if you're, you just want to skim through the show or you want to go back through and like read the episode in all the resources in the, like there's graphics and there's uh, screen grabs, there's all sorts of cool stuff. And and uh, we did, I'm really happy with it. My team did a great job with it, the people that we were working with. And uh, you should absolutely go check that out. Um, and then lastly, if you are really on your last limb with trying to figure this thing out, if you're really stuck and you're like, man, I just don't like the mental bandwidth of trying to do this on my own and figure things out, you should really consider applying for coaching. Now, because you're coming from the podcast, you have a very special place in my heart. So I do have some extra stuff going on for people who apply for coaching and get accepted um, that are coming from the podcast. So, um, there's a special link below that will take you to the front of the line because number one, when it does come to coaching, we do cap how many people we take per month. And also, uh, we have a tendency to get a wait list started. So if you end up deciding you want to apply for coaching and you go to the link below, you will go straight to the front of the line when it comes to like wait list and stuff like that. Because like I said, I hold a very special place in my heart for my podcast listeners. So um, if that's you and you're like, I'm just tired of figuring this out, apply for coaching and watch your life change. Coaching is literally the, the best and fastest way that's still the most sustainable to get from where you're at to where you want to be streamlined. Because instead of you having to figure everything out, which is going to take forever and it sucks, you're learning from other people's mistakes. It would be, I would rather for me, when it comes to me expediting my results, I would rather pay someone who has a track record of changing my exact avatar and in the most streamlined, least friction way possible than me having to go through all the pitfalls and taking 10 times the amount of effort and time. So if that's your cup of tea, apply for coaching below. Otherwise, I really appreciate you turning, you turning in. Wow. Words are hard. I really appreciate you tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. Be sure and stay subscribed. So you know what's coming next week. Otherwise I love you. And I will talk to you next time.